Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. The news that Emmett Rhodes died was not a huge surprise somehow. I think he had diabetes and maybe some other health issues, but just something about just knowing as little as I know about him and from talking to him a couple times that for some reason it wasn't a huge surprise to me. He was age 70, passed away July 19th. He was on the show twice. First, February 2010. He he was a kind of a guy who had started in the music business very young as a teenager, got signed to record deal, became a solo artist in his 20s, and was burnt out, you know, before most people had even started, before he was uh, 30. Uh, and then he would sort of pop in and out of the radar, you know, once in a while, sometimes I think motivated by money or by creative passion, but it was sort of hard to tell what was going on with him because he was a really uh, unusual guy. So uh, February 10th, I heard that he was working on a new record and I uh, tracked him down uh, through some of his new collaborators and we had this uh, conversation here, which was just super unusual. It's like... Uh, I remember at the time feeling a real mix of emotions, like it almost wasn't fair uh, to, to air this, you know, but I was sort of just trying to keep him, uh, keep the train from going off the tracks the whole time. And it's super interesting. Uh, he's just, um, you know, maybe he just wasn't feeling right that day, and it sort of all comes out. Uh, but. I emphasize super genius, super smart guy, super amazing musician, uh, songwriter, technician, craftsman, etc. So it was a really odd interview, and that's from 2010. Then he put out a new record, 2016, and I spoke to him again. And the second interview, which you'll hear second today, was much more calm uh, and a little more down to earth, but still a little bit unusual. He was in a like I say, uh, just a super unusual guy. So I don't want to say too much more than that because it's, you just sort of have to listen to it. Some people have found this difficult listening, the first uh, interview, so I warn you of that. Uh, but we do pay tribute to um, Emmett Rhodes. He's passed away. And uh, check out some of his solo records, his work with the merry-go-round. Just lots of really innovative, interesting, super melodic, great pop music. So first, Emmett Rhodes from 2010, then 2016. I hope you're well, I hope you're safe, and I hope you enjoy this. Hello, please leave a message after the tone. Hey, it's Michael Shelley from WFMU for Emmett Rhodes. Uh... I will try back in a couple minutes, I guess. Hello? Emmett, is that you? Yes, it is. Hey, good morning. How are you? This is Michael, right? That's right. I'm uh, I'm waking up. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Well, I appreciate you waking up early for us this morning. Well, it's uh, not that early. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got. But it is, does require waking up, so there you go. That's always a good first step. Yeah, for a day. Uh, well, let's start at the beginning. Born in uh, 1950, Decatur, Illinois, right, sort of in the meat of the baby boom, and your your family moved to, I think, Hawthorne, California. I, I, I think I am the baby boom. <laughs> <laughs> you were five when you moved to Hawthorne. Do you remember sort yeah. of a culture shock from? Uh, uh, I remember kind of uh, you know in the car. Uh, let me see, Eisenhower was president 
I remember the radio was on. And uh, so you moved to California. It's 1955. What's you know? What are your first impressions of music? What what's what's in your house? What are your parents listening? Was, to? Well, you know, my mother ran around singing. You know, the reason I'm a songwriter is my mother's fault. <laughs> I blame her. Well, that's good. Well, she was a musical person in a, in a serious way or just in a very casual way? Well, at home it was in a casual way. But when she was younger, she went out and performed with her, with her mother and stepfather. And, and so what did your folks do in Hawthorne? What was the family business? Uh, well, there wasn't really a business. My father was a welder. He worked for, uh, you know, the aerospace for a while. Mm-hmm. But when he died, he was a, a welder. And uh, and my mother, uh, well, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. And did you have brothers and sisters? Uh, well, I have half-sisters, and that's about what I got. Okay. And so growing up, at what point did someone, did you take music lessons, or how did that work? I took drum lessons. So when you were a little kid in uh, grade that school? Was, well, yeah, it was grade school. I learned how to beat on a bench. <laughs> and so you were playing in the band concerts? And, and no, I played my snare drum at uh, whatever that, uh, you know, the parent-teacher, well, when they had a, whatever they do in grade school, when they get people up on stage and... I played my snare drum. It was really loud, so people knew when I started, <laughs> and they knew when I stopped. <laughs> so they knew when to applaud. And by the time you're in high school, you're you're already in bands. What? When did you join your first band? When did that happen? Well, I kind of made my first band, is what I did. I, I had a friend who didn't know how to play, and I, I knew how to play drums, but uh, wasn't much of a guitar player, and we kind of learned how to play guitar together and sing Beatles songs. Yeah, I guess that was the thing to do uh, right around there. Well, it certainly seemed like it. Yeah. Uh, You're also a contemporary of the Beach Boys. They were in Hawthorne. There must be some that are exactly your age or would would have been. No, they were all older than me. Were they all older? I I went to... Dennis was the, the drummer. He was like a... I guess he was a you know a senior when I was a freshman. That okay. kind of thing. That makes sense. So you didn't really cross too many paths with the Beach Boys. Uh, yeah, I, I I ran into him at the at the high, high school dance, and you know, he broke my drum pedal or my drum head or something like that. I loaned him my drums for. So you guys shared a drum kit once, and they broke. Well, it? Well, he shared my drum kit, and he broke it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, he was kind of like. I don't a, know if it's that funny. I wasn't at the time <laughs> when you were fifteen. Yeah, he did play in that sort of very King Kong way, you know, Dennis. He was a horrid drummer. I mean, he just hit, I mean, he played backwards, and uh, he was a horrid drummer. Yeah, Uh, interesting guy, certainly. Uh, Well, he was a kind of a wild guy, from what I understand. I didn't really know him that well, but he was a, but he played backwards. I thought that was odd. I mean, he was a lefty who was playing righty? He set the tree, yeah, it was kind of, I, I don't really recall now. I mean, I remember that he had to move the whole set around, and and he hit the hi-hat on the other side or something. I mean, it was, uh, he had his own, his unique way of playing. Yeah. Uh, so, you're in a band... Don't expect me to say anything good about him. Uh, please, do, please don't. <laughs> he, he owes me a drum pedal. <laughs> yeah, but good luck getting collecting on that, yeah. Uh, yeah, ain't gonna happen. Your, your band is called the Emeralds, and uh, you're 15 or so at this time, and you turn into uh, a band called the Palace Guard, right? 
Yeah, and I'm a drummer. And you're still the drummer at this point. I'm a drummer. Uh, were you already thinking at age 15, I'm going to be a musician for life, or were you thinking I'll be a doctor or something, and this is just to get oh, girls? I wish or? I had thought I'd be a research scientist. But no, I liked music. You were you were already, and were your folks okay with that? Or did people think that was crazy? Well, my mother understood it better than she did physics, or did physics. So sure, it was in the blood, sort yeah, of. Yeah, whatever. It was. I, I don't know. I think I was fulfilling her desires. Uh, there's a song called um, "Falling Sugar," 1966, and it's on uh, the, one of the Nuggets compilations. So it's sort of yeah. it's it's out there. It's kind of a very. I think it's a gay record, but I'm not real sure. A gay record, <laughs> a homosexual record. Well, you never know. No, you never know. Uh, I mean, t tell me about like. Now, there's something weird about that song. It was never one of my favorites. Uh, okay, uh, but it was it was you know it, uh, that and all night long. You know, there was a couple of songs that the Palace Guard did that we always did. I mean, it was the in the mid '60s, and you know, in the wake of the Beatles, I think record companies were finally in America waking up and thinking, "Yay, this rock and roll thing might be around for a while." You know, I think when Elvis came, there was some, you know, some of the biggest record companies in the world would still wouldn't take on a rock and roll band. They were afraid it was some sort of a fad, or they would offend. You know, well, that's just business in general. You're for, you know, who wants to invest in gold? It might go down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did uh, you? How did that early band at fifteen? How did you guys sort of get into the the, the recording business and and start me and start doing recordings? Oh uh, <clears throat> well, the the uh, Bowdoin brothers had a father who. Uh, there were three brothers in this band. There were three know. brothers, and uh, it was like a family band. And I was the drummer, and you know, and, uh, <clears throat> there was. Well, it, it, you know, they got uh, they got uh, a, a, a company called Orange Empire to uh, to sponsor them and to produce these records that they, they did. And I, 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 boy, it's a horrid story. You know, you know, I think you know the Vaudouins gave you know gave their youngest son to the, a gay man who owned the company. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it was like uh, it was uh, it was uh, pedophilia. I should have said something, but I was like fourteen, and, and he was fourteen, and I and I, um, boy, I feel horrid now. You mean really, the one of the brothers had to sleep with somebody to get the record deal? Pretty much. Wow. That's... Yeah, that's you know, it, it, it's a real life sucks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It really does. Well, the record... it's like the the truth of the matter. You know, people do things for. Uh, I, I think it's all hormonal. I think you know we're just a bunch of insane animals, and we're going through life trying to gratify ourselves. Well, I'm not sure life sucks, but the music business. Okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're less depressed than me. Yeah. My life's pretty good, right? At the there you go. When it's good, go for it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in this band, the Palace Guard. You also did some songs backing or with Don Grady, the one of the actors on My Three Sons. Right? Yeah, he was a nice guy. He seemed like a nice guy, and he, uh, so he's still doing music to this day. I, I ran across him. He gave me a copy of uh, you know a CD of something that he was doing. Yeah. All right. Uh, and you guys were on TV and stuff like that. You end up getting a job as the house band at a uh, pretty hot Hollywood club called the Hullabaloo. You're still the drummer at this point. Uh, house band means how many nights, how many hours? Oh, God. I don't, it was like all, it was, you know, all during the week and 
I worked all week. Five or six nights a week, you'd play for how many oh, hours? Oh well, it was uh, it was a uh, two or three shows a, a night, depending on what night it was, I guess. And playing covers of the day, were you throwing some originals in there? Uh, w- well, the 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 Bowdoin, I mean the Bowdoin's had a song called All Night Long. Uh, I was still a drummer at that time. I was just learning how to play guitar. And I mean, it's sort of... Or shortly did thereafter. It seems like a sort of a great education to to be the house band and, and to sort of, you know, make your mistakes, uh, you, you know, or get your chops up. Was it a... Well, I was a drummer. Nobody knows when you f*** up. <laughs> So, you just hit things. So, you know, that's what a drummer does. They just hit uh, stuff. Yeah. So being the house band, that wasn't a, a, a step in the progression of Emmett Rhodes? Oh, it was great. It was great. There I was. I was in Hollywood. Uh, you know, and yeah, it was a great club. And the, the stage revolved. And, uh, you know, so as one yeah. band was rolled off, a new <laughs> band was rolled on or spun on. And were there touring headliners coming through there at the same oh, time? Oh, yeah. Sure. Everybody came through there. Like, who'd you get to see? Everybody. <laughs> like the Rolling Stones? Uh, uh, well, no, I, I, the Stones didn't do that. But there was yeah, a loving spoonful uh, to Ike and Tina Turner. And, you know, and there was an Ike and Tina Turner. And, uh, you know. That sounds fantastic for a music fan as Cher well. and Sonny. <laughs> you know, it was everybody. The Birds. Uh, it was uh, Buffalo Spring. It was everybody. Yeah. Everybody except, you know, the Beatles didn't do it because they were too rich. And, the, you know, I guess the Stones weren't, wasn't big enough for the yeah. Stones. It sort of sounds like the center of the universe in some ways. In Hollywood, it pretty much was at the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, so you, you end up realizing, boy, being back here behind the drums sucks. I should be out in front. I started writing songs. Uh, That's what I started so doing. How did, how did yeah, the, and, how and, and absolutely, yeah, it's being behind Drumming is, uh, you can do, you know, you just hit things. <laughs> so you taught All the guys up front got the, you know, all the attention. You, you taught yourself to play the guitar and and shortly after writing songs? Well, I just started playing, I just started writing songs. I was, I didn't know how to play the guitar. I didn't know how to tune the guitar. Very first song I wrote to the guitar, you know, I mean, it's just kind of like, uh, um, well, it was kind of in tune, except I'd have no idea how it was tuned. Oh, that's amazing. So, you know, I just started strumming, it sounded good, so I wrote something on top of that, because I can do that. I can just come out with a melody or a well, when you line. F- you say that now, and you seem pretty nonchalant about it, but when you first did it, you were still a teenager. I mean, that first time the guitar wasn't in tune, was it a revelation to you? Hey, I can write these songs, it too. It was fun. It was just fun. I just enjoyed it. Yeah. And in, how long to write a song in, in those very early days? Well, it's instantaneous. <laughs> so a three-minute song? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, it's, after a while, you, I got serious. So then, of course, you know, you have to think about the chords and all that mm. kind of stuff. You want to make sure that what you're saying is pertinent to what your what your chorus says. And so, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. You count syllables and uh, mm. all that stuff. So you quit the you, you, you quit the Palace Guard and you form the Merry Go Round. You switch from the drums to the guitar. Uh, the the I believe. And then I got to come out front. You got to come out front and be the and start singing all the, the time because I sang one song in the in the Palace Guard. They give you a spot like the they let me come out front. You know, and it was a hullabaloo and it had like a runway and yeah. you get to walk out on the runway and it was like uh, nonsense, complete nonsense. <laughs> 
I always like when they, they give this when the drummer gets to come down and sing one. I always find there that. you go. And I got to sing Michelle, wonderful song. Oh, so you sang that every night for a couple of years? Well, I'm not certain that they let me do it every night. <laughs> well, that's pretty funny. You probably never want to hear that song again. Uh, no, no, no. It's, a, it's a, still a wonderful song. Yeah. Uh, so the, I don't want to sing it, but... <laughs> the uh, the membership of the merry-go-round changes around. Uh, finally, it cements Joel Larson, who ends up being in a bunch of great bands. And I think he's playing with you even today. He's, yeah, right. We, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm... I'm written some songs and uh, and um, in the process of recording them. Yeah, and shows helping out. I want to get to that. Uh, so it's 1967, I think, when the merry-go-round comes together. You're still 17, 18 years old at this point, uh, and you and you just start making some demos. Is that? Is uh, that? Well, we rehearsed a lot. I had a bunch of songs, and uh, and then uh, we uh, we. We went into the studio for A and M, and we recorded of uh, a record, the whole album. And how it was basically, you know, one or two passes, and we picked the best pass, and then sang the vocals over the top of it, and that was that. How did the hookup come with M and M, not M and M? Well, it was the uh, the uh, let me see the uh, the son of uh, who became of the, another family, the Shaw family. And uh, he was a uh, gay, and uh, you know he wanted to uh, butt me, and uh, but I didn't, didn't know that I was like so young and uh, naive, and I uh, what can I tell you I don't know that stuff, and and I just kind of believe people. They tell me you know like you're a radio personality, okay? I don't know. You call me, I don't know where, I don't know who you are. Nonetheless, anyway, I believe people, and uh, whatever. It was uh, it's a horror story. What do you want? It's a Story. <laughs> so, so, well, let me. Uh, yeah. So this guy, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm like, so, I'm so naive. <laughs> I don't know what's going on until way later in life. So you're a 17 year old, and uh, you've got this. Ma- I liked girls. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it was a hard thing. But so you've got, you've got this it's manager. Real popular now, but you know, back then, you people were, were kind of ashamed of being gay. Uh, but, but there were a lot of homosexuals in the music business. And one of them was well, your there, manager. Well, there's just a lot of homosexuals, don't you? Yeah, there's about ten percent. I, I think yeah. football's homosexual. I think a bunch of guys running around in these here, you know, spandex things and jumping on one another, slapping each other on the bottom. It's, uh, you know, there's something weird about it to me. I'm not a fan. Uh, see, I'm not either. I'm like a, not a sports person. I'm like a science person. I like cosmology. What uh, what mology? Cosmology, oh, the, the, yeah. the cosmos, the cosmos. That's it. There you go. Uh, so this guy be- somehow uh, becomes your manager and gets you. Well, on- he does. He kind of he's working for uh, his, uh, Russell Shaw. He's working for uh, A and M. He's working in the mail room, so he knows everybody, and uh, and uh, he becomes kind of like our manager. Uh, now let's discuss the sound of the merry-go-round. It's 1967, and it sort of there's so much good music. I mean, it's an explosion of good music in the UK, in, in Hollywood, in the United States. And this is like, you know... People are writing songs. Yeah, these are great songs, really melodic, but, you know, uh, kind of... It's just a... It seems to be perfectly in time with what's happening, the merry-go-round, you know? It could be, because I was there. <laughs> I'm still... I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I may not be in time with what's going on. I don't own a cell phone. 
Yeah, me neither. And I probably never will. But uh, maybe I'll do, you know, like I'll get one that you prepaid or something that nobody can call me on. Just in <laughs> case I need one, because I've seen that. It's, I don't have one either, Emmett, and I hope, there I, you go. hope I never get one. Well, I, you know, when I was a little boy riding around Hawthorne in my, uh, on my bicycle, I was in this liquor store, and uh, there was this woman out front walking down the street talking into her hand. <laughs> She was ahead of the curve, I guess. Well, boy, was she. She was schizophrenic. <laughs> now everybody is. <laughs> she was ahead of the curve on schizophrenia. Yep. So when you yep. were you made those those early records, those merry-go-round records for A&M, did you sit in the studio listening to, to them and think, this is good, this is something good, this is something that stacks up against my favorite records? Uh, no, I just kept hoping it was good enough. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, the things I do now, I think are good. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I know better. You, Back then, I was just guessing. Were you unsatisfied with them, or you just didn't well, know? I'm always unsatisfied. Yeah. It's you know, I mean, you keep doing it until you give up. The song "Live" and the song "You're a Very Lovely Woman" were both, you know, pretty good hits, and certainly air uh, turntable hits in in certain parts of the country, and. Uh, those records, are, I think they're all still, they do, they, they're all out available. Uh, there's a merry-go-round. Well, they've been reissued a number of times. Yeah, a number of times. And they're great records. I've often thought that if the merry-go-round had stayed together and had a chance to sort of hone its thing a little bit more, it would have made some, some a it lot of hit high school bands are like, people are, you, know, you have to deal with people. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> We're insane animals. And, you know, every once in a while the insanity just pops right out. Oh, don't you think, though, it doesn't, Help that you were sixteen or seventeen at that time. You were, you know, you were still a kid. Oh yeah, I was uh, completely naive. <laughs> I mean, do you ever look back? It helps. And, it helps. Believe me. Do you ever look back and say, you know, I wish uh, me and the members of the merry-go-round could have kept our, you know, kept it together on a personal level? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Okay. Uh, so I, I, you know, for after that, I, I, you know, I bought a tape machine and I went into, you know, the shed behind my parents' garage and I made a record on my own. Yeah. And I would, I had even more fun. So. I, yeah, you did. I guess you don't have to vote on uh, let the drummer have a vote. You know. Well, I am the drummer. <laughs> you okay. go. And it's like you know when I when I try to outdo myself, you know, it's like when you know the, the guitar player always plays more than everybody else. And, <laughs> Everybody's trying to outdo each other. Well, it's like when you're doing everything, you don't, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so the merry-go-round's over, and you, like you said, you bought, bought some equipment, went into the shed behind your parents' house, and just started to make some records. I think first you had to make uh, a record, which ended up being called the American Dream, oh. to, f to fulfill the merry-go-round contract for A and M. So you deliver that to A and M, and they say we're just going to put this on the shelf, and, and then you start another record which ends up becoming the Emmett Rhodes record, your first solo right. album, and comes out on ABC Dunhill, right? Yeah. Now, let's talk recording contract. Uh, uh, it's just such a big part of your legacy. What happened? You know, did you have... I was sold. I was like property, and I was sold. I was told what to do. Russell Shaw's father, Eddie Shaw, was my publisher at the time, and... Uh, and he told me to sign the deal, and I signed the deal, and I knew it was wrong because it took me nine months to make the record I, that I had done to, to get the deal, and uh, and they wanted me to make a record every six months. Yeah, that was a, a clause in the contract was... Emmett yeah, Rhodes. I looked at him and I said, Eddie, this is like, this is bad. This is wrong. I can't do this. I can't fulfill. Well, and, he, and he says, eh, sign it. Uh, we'll worry about it later. And was that a normal thing to make a record every six months? 
Well, for Eddie, it was. I guess you know, I... he worked for like Sinatra, and so, you know, Sinatra went out and got uh, you know had people looking for songs, yeah. and you know, and you know, he just sang them. And I so guess on. bands like Gary Lewis and the Playboys, they could easily churn out a record of covers, you know, recorded in a couple of days, you know, and uh, maybe is that what they were thinking? You you were gonna? Well, I was like doing it all myself, and it. It takes a, quite a while because sometimes you do it and then you don't like it and you have to do it again. Yeah. So when you're making, for instance, your first record, did you work on it every single day or or how did it? What was the oh, yeah, process? Oh yeah, I'm pretty. Um, well, uh, yeah, I get consumed. Hmm. Sort of like an addiction. Well, I'm. I'm. Uh, I suppose. I suppose. You know. I, I think everything's an addiction. Uh, you know. I like life too. You know. Uh, I'm addicted to it. Mm. During this time, uh, it's the late 60s, were there drugs involved in your regime? Oh, this, I am drugs. I'm just like walking drugs. I'm a <laughs> you know, 60 trillion, I think it's 100 trillion living cells. And they're all just made of chemicals. Yeah. So you're, and that's me. There you go. Your body is a pharmaceutical Well, it's lab. pretty much that. So, yeah, was there drugs? Yeah, there was drugs everywhere. And but was, it still is. It's like, uh, what kind of, I don't know. And was that a big... I mean, I think they were... I think those Egyptians were doing it long back, you know, when the pharaohs... And all. Yes, as soon as they yeah, And I think, you know, the, the, the Romans were just like a bunch of drug addicts. I'm sure we'll find in, you know, somewhere in Africa a bong made of, you know... There you go. <laughs> stone or something. <laughs> now, I don't know how people got to that, you know, like, well, let's snort this here, uh, let's snort this uh, leaf or... I mean, I, I guess it was chewing it, I suppose, that's how I got there, but... There were early adapters, and some died, and the ones who didn't... That's it. Yeah. There you go. They, <laughs> now, this is how you do it. Okay. Yeah, follow <laughs> Everybody the guy. follow the suit. Follow the guy who didn't die. Yeah, but what was it that Deprival stuff that uh, that, uh, that Michael Jackson does? Uh, I heard that was good. But that was was that that couldn't have been a surprise to you when Michael Jackson died. I mean, no, I, I you know I was glad he died. He looked like a woman. <laughs> uh, so were drugs a uh, a big part of your life or not really? Just just oh, uh, uh, you know, well, I suppose uh, well. Uh, yeah, I well, I'm, I mean, I'm a diabetic now. I I take insulin. I, it's the magic elixir keeps me alive. Ah, how long have you been diabetic? Oh, for quite a while. Yeah, that's that's no fun. Yeah, and you have to inject that. It's uh, yeah, I I inject. Ooh, that's no fun at all. Uh, so you you made this first record, and it's yeah, I don't like needles. N- me neither. I yeah. I'm like my daughter. <laughs> I cry. Yeah, uh, me too. So you made this first record, and. It, it's a record with a lot of staying power. It's been reissued uh, in many ways all over the world a million times. It's one of those records that musicians like. It's also a record that did pretty well at the time, and that was reviewed well at the time, and is always mentioned in lists of you know best records of the 70s, best, best records of all time. Uh, it's a really interesting record. It, was it something that you said, I'm going to make a record that sounds a certain way, or it just came out organically? I did the best I could. Yeah. I, you know, that was the plan. Do the that best. Was the, that's always the plan. You got a better one. <laughs> well, some people. No, I don't. But some people's plan is try oh, to make yeah. money or try to copy something. I, I, I wish I had tried to make money. Like I said, I would have invested in gold. Mm. So uh, you put out this record. It's Either a, that or, or become a counterfeiter and get myself a good printing machine. <laughs> 
let me know how that works out. Yeah, right. Uh, you make it the, the next record, Mirror, 1971, and it's pretty much the same thing. You're in your uh, parents' shack there, recording and recording, and right around that time, uh, A&M decides, we, hey, this guy's doing all right. Uh, we'll release what we've got, which is that American Dream record, right? Right. And then you make in 73, Farewell to Paradise, uh, your last solo record, and then the lawsuits hit the fan, right? Well, that was hey, that was kind of to get rid of the lawsuit, but uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was uh, the, six months after I made uh, after I had signed my deal with ABC, uh, I was uh, the contract was suspended and uh, or I was in suspension or something, whatever you know, and uh, and then they started uh, suing me. Why do you think they didn't just say, okay, we can wait nine months or let's compromise? I mean, why? That seems like that must well, because happen. They to make me feel bad. <laughs> Is that true? I mean, <laughs> how do I know? Uh, well, it you were mean, it, it, none of it made any sense to me. Yeah, it, it was like uh, okay, I, I make a I make a record in six months, and well, where, when do I go and perform? When do I, you know, celebrate my birthday and Christmas and the holiday? You know, when do I take a vacation? Yeah. Uh, when, it, none of it made any sense. But you, you don't have any... I looked at Eddie and I said, Eddie, I shouldn't sign this. And Eddie said, sign it. We'll worry about it later. Because Eddie was getting paid off. Uh, and, but you don't have an inkling why they w didn't want to work with you later down the well, road? because, uh, God, what was it? It was Jay Lasker was uh, not the easiest person in the world to get along with. Hmm. Do you think there and was... And kind of like, uh, you know, if you didn't do what he wanted, he didn't like you anymore. Ah. Uh -huh. so, so you... G and Jay Lasker was the guy running ABC Dunhill? He was at the time, yeah. Yeah. So you got I don't know if there's a lot of people that have a lot of nice things to say about him other than maybe his daughter. Mm. So you got on his bad side and, and he was sort of trying to punish you? Well, I, you know, I, it's the real life. Real life is weird. You know, people are strange. I, uh, I know they, 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 well, they uh, just lost interest, I suppose. You know, I, I have you punish me. I, it was punishment, <laughs> but if that was their consideration or not, I'm not so certain. I think it's just because I signed a bad. It was a bad deal, and I I fell apart during it. Hmm. Uh, I wore out. I just wore out. So 1973, you're 23 years old, and it's over. You're and I'm washed worn up. out. <laughs> <laughs> I spend every day writing songs, every day making. You know, it's, yeah, you know what I'm saying. All right, yeah, I guess that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, after a while, you want to go have fun. Uh, tell me for a minute about uh, Kurt Betcher worked on Farewell to Paradise. Uh, his name's on a lot of great records. Uh, what was well, your... he's gay, wasn't he? I don't know. I, 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 think I never was. slept with him. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, yeah. I, you know, for me, I just, you know, kind of, I just shine it on and look the other way. But but, but uh, I mean, tell me about your working with him. I mean, were you in the room with him? Or, or did he... No, Kurt was a friend of Keith's. And, uh, so he took and, the tapes. I mean, we, we just got together and smoked a lot of dope. I see. And he took the tapes, mixed them, and were you happy with them? No, it wasn't him at all. It was actually Keith Olsen. Oh, Keith really? Olsen is brilliant. I learned a lot about engineering from Keith. Interesting. So Kurt's contributions really aren't... It wasn't very much. Well, he brought the drugs. Oh, well, that's important. Uh, <laughs> someone's got to bring the drugs. Game's time to do. You get a mixing credit for that, I guess. <laughs> so Dunhill sues you, and it's all a giant, uh, you know, it's just awful. And 
you sort of just retreat into yourself, I guess. Uh, was it an active lawsuit? I mean, did you have to appear in court? Or, uh, was it something that got drawn out? No, as soon out? as I gave them no record, it was, you know, that was it. It was done. That was it. And did you think, I'll wait a couple of years, I'll, this'll just, I'll bounce back? Or did you, what were you thinking in your head? Oh, I was, uh, by that time, you know, I'm just totally insane now and uh, don't know what the hell to do. It's like I worked real hard and done my best and, uh, and been punished. Yeah. So uh, what do we? What do you do after that? So just um, I, I didn't really feel good about writing anymore. I kind of like I didn't want Eddie to have anything to do with what I, what I had uh, my songs and and I had signed an agreement with him for life for perpetuity. And I pretty much, Eddie considered me his property. So, Eddie Shaw, this is Russell's dad. The mail this room, is Russell's dad. The mailroom guy's dad. Yeah, and they, they're both dead now. I had to get rid of, uh, you know, Eddie's the oldest son who was selling clothes at the time that I was making records because I was, like, given to, uh, you know, I was, like, property that was... An inheritance. <laughs> so you signed, this and he was like taking my money. And there you go. So they were just all taking my money. So are are songs that you write today still published by the Shaws? No, now they're mine. I own them. You got Adam? Except for, for Eddie sold some of my publishing to uh, to Universal, and they still claim it. So even in those days, those first the, the those three solo, those four solo records, and the Mary records, do you do you still own half your publishing? Is that the way it works? Or no, you 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 are nothing. Well, you know, I, I got paid whenever, uh, whenever. Well, Eddie would like put, he put me on his salary is what he you know he gave me money a month and then uh, and everything I did he owned. Hmm. That was pretty much how it was. Wow, and so he got to do whatever he wanted to do because he would just bring something down, put it in front of me, and say sign it, huh. and I did. Huh. So you never got to see the checks that were coming in. No, of course not. Yeah. Uh, so tell me, what did you do from you know 1973 for the next few years? What did you do every day? Uh, well, let me see. I ate, and I that's what people do. Yeah, <laughs> I showered probably. What, and, was when not playing music? Well, what did that blow I your mean, mind? What did I do? You know, but, but because yeah, I could have read a book in that period of time. I watched TV. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, you're, that's very American. I mean, it, it just it occurs to me that you know you spent the past ten years writing not writing songs, songs. every day. Go. No, I'd come up with ideas and stuff, and I put them down on tape and put them just leave them alone. I never got back to them. But well, now I'm I'm actually finishing things. Well, and, uh, there, there's legend. I'm going to make a record. The legend has it that there are boxes and boxes of these old tapes that you made. <laughs> There isn't. Uh, there are old songs that uh, that uh, didn't complete. Hmm. You know, some of which I've completed. You know, now they're finished songs that I haven't recorded yet. Gotcha. But uh, but there, there isn't. A, no, it's not a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, there, I have a lot of song ideas. You know that, but I I haven't completed them. It's time for me to complete stuff before I drop dead. Yeah. Uh, from nineteen seventy six to nineteen eighty, I think you worked for Electro Records. Who hired you there, and what were their expectations of you? Chuck Plotkin, and he just uh, well, I have no idea what his expectation was. It was. Uh, I, uh, I I needed employment, and uh, it was a good job. I got to uh, to hang out, and I played uh, engineer, and like operated a studio for them that they had out in the valley, and 
and then I became producer and made a record for them, and, and that was it. It's a weird time for music, the, you know, the late 70s into 1980. Uh, did they think you'd be able to kind of put your ear to the, the ground and hear something? Well, it was a weird time for music because I'll tell you, I, everything that I liked, nobody else did. It was like I still like songs. You know, <laughs> I still write songs. I, I got like a verse, chorus, a pre-chorus, and a bridge, and you know, and the, that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, it was. A, I, I remember like them sending you know punk rock and, st- and stuff, and I'm going, you know, one day people will just start talking on record. <laughs> hey, you and were... sure enough, I was right. And actually, I produced probably the first uh, rap song with, uh, what's his name, uh, God, Gabe Kaplan, uh, comedy guy. Yeah. You called up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> That's one of your works right there. Wow. Well, I, I helped produce it, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to dig a copy of that. Up your nose with a rubber hose. And, he, and he, you know, basically it's a, you know, a, a track with the, that he talks over. Right, yeah. I, I don't remember that. Part. With a chorus, you know, he gets to the chorus and it's up your nose <laughs> with a rubber hose. Uh, so you still got the studio in your house or in the shed? Behind it's you? a garage. I got a garage. And did all that time were you uh, renting out the studio? Were you doing no, sessions? No, no, no. I was working. I was going out to this, you know, in the, the Electra studio. I, I, you know, I did rent my studio after I, my my time at Electra was over. Yeah. And that's kind of how I supported myself up until now. Now I'm like, uh, now I'm just biding time, hoping that, uh, that when I get this record done, uh, that there'll be some money in it for me so that I don't have to die. Somewhere along the line, you had uh, two wives and three kids. Is that right? Yeah, I did that. That was one of those. Th- oh, yeah, that was one of those things I was doing while I wasn't writing songs. Well, that's there. You go. It wasn't just all TV. You're- yeah, I was getting married and uh, doing that stuff and having kids and trying to be a dad. And- I mean, how'd that go with your mind? Well, I was whore. I guess I was whored at it because they hate me now. But I think it was really their mothers that you know took them away and. And just kept them, and uh, you know, and uh, was it uh, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder? That's not true. That's really your kids don't not. No, no. Well, you know, my father was a tyrant. Used to beat me, Mm. you know. So I, I, you know, and he, I mean, he ran the house as if he were were God. So you know, my, my, you know, you don't come into this world with a book on how to be a. A good parent. I, and I, you know, not that I didn't try, and not that I'm not better than my father because I don't beat my kids. But nonetheless, I, uh, I, I, you know, it's uh, divorce sucks. Yeah, it really does, and especially when you have children. You know, if you don't have children, who cares? But when you have children, and then uh, I, you know. God, your wife. My wife took off and hit my my children from me. My first wife, and uh, and uh, then when I realized I could find them, you know, I I'm just like, you know, what do I do then? Uh, they don't like me, and uh, they don't. They haven't called me. They don't. They don't want to be with me. How old what are they? What do I do? I'm not real. I'm not good with rejection. How old are they now? 
Oh, they're grown people. Hmm. Yeah, they're all. I'm like really old, you know, with the gray beard and gray yeah. hair. Well, it's one thing. It's interesting to talk to you. Your voice is so deep, and your singing voice is is so high. Is oh, it? not anymore. Not no, anymore. no. Now I'm like Barry White. <laughs> oh, it's just everything is. A, it's all really low. Yeah. So did oh, you? My voice is deep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you, if you say get so. into radio. Uh, let me let me remind everybody. Well, let's do it. Is it a good job? Does it pay? No. <laughs> In that case, who wants to do it? Yeah. You do. <laughs> well, I'm like you, Emmett. I love music. So. There you go. Yeah. It's like, it's a, yeah, is it an addiction? Yeah, probably. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I want to remind folks we're speaking to Emmett Rhodes and MySpace.com slash the Emmett Rhodes Band or www.emmettrhodesmusic.net is the place to find lots of information about Emmett. There's a new documentary someone's making about you called uh, The One Man Beatles. Yeah, uh, that's kind of you. You. Uh, it seems like you're uh, an unlikely movie star. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but you're right. Is it finished? Have you seen it? Yeah, I have. And it, what is the? It's in Italian. Oh, it's in it. It's, it's yeah. Everything I say is in English because I don't know Italian. <laughs> oh, so the narration is. But in I Italian? do change my entire accent. Everything goes up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Chico Marx. There you go. Okay. Uh, well, I, are we going to get to see that soon? In I have no idea. Did you get money for that? Uh, well, I got to pay my credit card off. Well, that's something. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's charge it right back up again. <laughs> what do you spend money on? What's on your credit? Well, card? Well, let me see. Food, <laughs> the lights, <laughs> the gas. So the past 20 years or so, I mean, how big of a struggle has it been for you to just... It's a horrid struggle. You know, yeah, I, I, uh, you know now I'm living on uh, borrowed time, so it doesn't matter much now. Because... I got one of those phony baloney loans at the end of the year. They throw you in the street. <laughs> because of your diabetes? Because of... Well, yeah, I'll tell you, ah, depression, diabetes, all of the above. I, uh, I'll wake up in the morning with, like, a low number, and I, and I can just kind of, like, sit there for for hours and, and wonder if I should cross the room or not. Huh. It's a weird thing being diabetic. It's like you're a zombie. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this new, uh, this new project. Yeah, let's not talk about diabetes because I wind up on the floor paralyzed, can't swallow, so I have to, you know... I, that sounds urinate like, all over myself. It's a hard thing. It sounds like I fun. keep like cookies at the foot of the bed. Just to keep your blood sugar up. Well, in case I wind up well, <laughs> wind up on the floor in the morning, I got to, as soon as I can articulate my uh, my arms and and grab the cookies, I can eat something and come back alive again. Emmett, is it because you uh, don't medicate yourself properly, or? Well, yeah, it's kind of a yeah, uh, yeah. If you don't, you know, if you if you take your shot and then you don't eat, you pass out. Huh. Sometimes. Uh, you know, I sometimes I'm not hungry. Maybe you need to write on your hand with a sharpie, eat a cookie. Or something. Well, there you go. Now I, no matter where I go, I carry sugar with me. Yeah. Uh, so what? Why now? I mean, how did you finally decide? You know, because I remember reading ten years ago, you were in the middle of making a record, and it was going to be done any day now. And uh, oh, oh, well, the, you know. So, so how do I know it's it's for real this time? Oh, well, because I'm actually recording things. So and I'm finalizing stuff. And how how far along are you in the process? Well, I've got th three tunes uh, recorded. Oh, great! Yeah, that's how far along I am. That's pretty good. And how do they sound? I mean, are we gonna? Is it 
just well, right now there's just basically me and the piano, and we're doing drums. We're working with Joe and uh, and Matt Malley from uh, Plan Days. You're talking about Joe Larson, uh, who was in the Merry-Go-Round, right? And uh, the bass player Matt Malley is the bass player of Counting Crows. Counting Crows, and a couple of guitar players, Dan and uh, Jim, right? And uh, is the idea I'm going to make a record and then uh, go? I just up? didn't want to be alone. Yeah, it's a different style for you than doing everything. Okay, I, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm going to do some of, I, I'm going to sit down and play the drum. I'm going to do some where I play everything, oh, and then I'm going to like, uh, you. I'm going to, you know, use other people and, well, it's and ha- it's, uh, hopefully have fun doing this. That's the whole idea. It sounds like and come up with something that people like to listen to. It sounds like we're not going to be surprised, and it's going to be synthesizers and, you know, Lindrums. It's going to mm-hmm. sound like Emmett Rhodes. It, you know, everything's real, you know, digital nowadays. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's I'm a, I I know the diminished chord. Do you play an instrument? <laughs> yeah, I can play a little of a little of. I got a drum set in my basement. I'm mostly a guitar go. player. Yeah, there you go. You're a, a pardon bass player. Mostly a guitar player. Guitar player. Yeah. Mostly guitar. Okay. Well, then you, you know diminished chord. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I play diminished chords in a much different. I play the guitar much differently than anybody else. I've like I don't tune it differently. I mean, I tune it normal, and then I kind of play uh, like you know not complete bar chords, but I, and then I know there are all the diminished chords in between every chord. And I, I mean, I pretty much uh, got that uh, Pythagorean down. Do you have a guitar handy? Can you illustrate this for us? Well, um, yeah, but I don't know if you're going to be able to hear it. Yeah, try me. Anyway, this is the guitar. Anyway, the, the diminished chords. Uh, here, I'm going to show you uh, how I play the diminished chords. Hang on a second. Can you hear me? Yeah, it sounds Did great. Did you hear the guitar? It sounds perfect. Oh, well, I don't know about perfect, but... Uh Playing diminished chords like at the lower on the lower string. Interesting. So we've guessed, and it's like a, it's a real interesting chord. And then I kind of. Yeah, I'm out of tune now. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of diminished chords in it. In fact, uh, these songs they have a lot of chords in them. I made sure that I got just about every chord you can think of all in the same song. It seems like you just unlocked what the the secret ingredient perhaps is. Yeah, I got the secret ingredient. I'm going to write it all down for people because I figure I got a lot to show them to talk to them about. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's about, it's going to be, it's a page long. And so tell me about when you're writing a song, do you pick up the guitar? Do you, do you go to the piano? Which is it? Well, it's whichever uh, whichever I'm playing. And so you just start strumming and then making a melody and making up words on top of that? Or? Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Do you think that when this record's finished, you'll go on the road and play well, shows? Well, that would be the idea. i got to make some money. I think, I, otherwise, like I say, i, I got no other alternative. I have to die. I certainly think that's where the money will be. Uh, more you know, record sales will be secondary. No, I'm not really got my gold, and I don't travel well, so I'm going to have to... Uh, don't you think that if you played uh, a mixture of your new songs and a few old songs that you could, that's the idea, you yeah. could fill a few rooms uh, across the country and uh, well, around the was, world? I was hoping. I was hoping that that, that that would be something I could do, but I, I'm really I'm really kind of counting like I I, yeah, I can't you know the the stuff that I three songs I've recorded are all piano things and uh, so I don't have a piano handy or I play that for you but uh, but uh, they're good they're really good they're like uh, I think they're they're really good yeah I can't I'm like showing off you know <laughs> you're excited well it's nice to hear you excited about something well I, you know I wouldn't complete them if I if I weren't Hmm. That's kind of, and, and but it's. I'm old, and it's time for me to make a record. I, I have all these things that I haven't completed. It's time for me to start completing. Yeah, well, I hope. I mean, hurry up is the only uh, advice from your. Well, you know, that's not a, that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> but hang up on me and go. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to hang up on you. But, go but over I know the, what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I got to do it before my phony baloney loan comes due. <laughs> there you go. When is the uh, when? What's the realistic date that we'll get to hear it? Oh, I'm thinking, hey, well, at the rate that I'm doing, you know, i got to get my studio working so I can start recording out here, because I record on the weekends with friends out in Simi Valley. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking, uh, well, this time next year. All right. Uh, <laughs> Maybe sooner, probably not. Uh, so, I mean, it's been a, a long road uh, for you, and uh, the way that you've dealt with it is kind of mind-boggling. It's... Uh, I, but I'm a depressed person, just in general. I, I you know, I'm not. Uh, I don't know how what you're getting to, but I'll tell you right off the bat that uh, I, I'm so disappointed. Disappointed in the world, or yeah, disappointed in the world and myself and and the rest of the world. Just disappointed, you know. I, uh, so you I like cosmology? <laughs> you know, I know what E equals MC squared means. Do you? Uh, no. See, there you go. Now, see, I think that's important. I think E equals MC squared is important. And it's like, it's like something that everybody should know what it means. Do you know why the sun shines? Uh, it's a giant ball of burning gas. Uh, e equals MC squared. Uh, let's pick a song uh, from your first record to, uh, to play. Uh, what's your favorite song off there? How about that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> you want to give me a list? <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't. I, I you know, I, I'm think I'm like so much in the present time that uh, I, I don't really think back that. You know, I listen to that stuff. It's kind of foreign to me now. Really, but so many people are so attached to that music. Are well, they? If they're gonna like then they're gonna like what. Hopefully, they'll like what I'm doing now better. Through all of this, I mean, is is this a, a life filled with regrets, or did you do the best you could? And and is well, I have some regrets, but you you know you wind up doing the, well. I do, I do the best I can, and even when I'm fucking up, I'm still trying to do the best I can. Yeah, or at least I'm doing the the best I know. You know, and then you get old and you figure out better. 
Right. I'm a much smarter person now than I was when I was a 20-year-old. I think football's gay. Well, I think wrestling's <laughs> definitely gay. I mean, you get two guys together and they're like grabbing them, you know, each other where they shouldn't be grabbing. It's yeah, and the yeah, but you, you just like, I don't even like you know. Admit I, I don't know. You, 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 do, you, do you wear earrings? No. Okay, good. Well, I was about to say something about men wearing earrings. I was like wondering, what does a man think when he wakes up in the morning and he's putting his earring on? Well, you, this is the the twentieth gay uh, reference uh, in this interview. Well, I've, I, is you there know, a I was gay? Watching this guy on, are you, uh, and, are on you a, TV. I was watching the news this morning, and there was this guy, and he's like made a lot of noise because he got to kiss some, you know, his piano player or something in the middle of his show. And it isn't as the, the music's important; the fact that he's gay is important. Hmm. Uh, but you're not anti-gay, are you? Well, uh, um, not really. Not uh, I'm uh, I'm anti-pedophile. <laughs> I think Michael Jackson would be alive today if he were in jail where he belonged. <laughs> he Don't you know? He wouldn't be on drugs and he would eat regularly. Yeah, you're damn right. Yeah, I mean, but being a pedophile is 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 not. It's not like being, uh, it's not, well, this was a gay pedophile, okay? <laughs> There's been a few gay pedophiles in my, you know, in my life experience, so uh, what can I tell you? No, it's not, I, 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 mean, it, it, I just, I, I don't want to be there. I'm glad I'm not there. Are you trying all. to say, I, You know, I yeah. like being me. I, I, Michael Jackson wanted to be dead. He didn't want to be alive. He didn't want to be awake anymore. He wanted to be asleep. Emmett, are you trying to say, though, that the experience with gay pedophiles is, uh, personal experience is something that has colored your life? Well, let me see. Uh, I, not, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think that, you know, I feel bad about the fact that when I was in the palace guard, the other 14-year-old was being molested, and I didn't say anything. Hmm. I feel bad about that, because his life wasn't, didn't work out so good. You know, yeah. me, uh, you know, I just like looked the other way and I guess everybody else did too. And I'm wondering, you know, I was a little boy. I was only 14. What was his brother's thinking? Jesus. Welcome to showbiz. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I, I, you know, who are these people? I, and when I think back, I just wonder, well, who are these people? You know, maybe you should have just been a scientist. Well, that's it. <laughs> Those things are so, you know, physics, <laughs> it's so much easier to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> e equals MC squared. There's like, you know. <laughs> uh, what do you like? What is good? What makes you happy? What What's purely good? Anything? Well, I like order. I like, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, Pythagorean. <laughs> I like music. What's good? Uh, yeah, I like, I, um, well, living things are better than dead things. That would be my uh, first axiom. And then I'd go from there. Okay. Uh, on that note, I guess we'll play something from your first album, Emmett Rhodes. Oh, thanks. You, you, okay. I'm sorry. No. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could be. You could be interviewing me, and I could be saying something about music, uh, and I'm kind of like going off on tangents here. I apologize. Well, I want to interview you. You know. Then that's, well, I'm like a weird. That's dude. what I got. <laughs> I'm a weird dude. <laughs> well, I love I your. I think the speed of light's important. 
Eminem. I mean, uh, is, is any of this going to help you write a good pop you? song? Is is this going to help you write a good pop song? You got damn right it does. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you something. I, you know, it's uh, hey, I like order. <laughs> I like the fun. I, I want to know how things are constructed, how they're put together. Uh, that's important. Uh, yeah, that helps me. When I read my physics book, and when I hit my guitar string, uh, it was a revelation. Huh. I, I mean, here's my guitar string. I was pulling the, the, the molecular bonds before I let it go. You know, I mean, the whole experience was, yeah, it was important. I got a question for you. Did you ever, when you were a kid, did you take apart old radios? I took apart everything. That's funny. That is like, one of the, I think that is like a, a, a tag. That trait of taking apart old radios is something super geniuses do. Oh, okay. Well, it was everything that had anything to do. You know, what the, I, see, I know what a capacitor does. Yeah, but I know what a resistor does. I know what a transistor is and a diode and a rectifier and all that. It's certainly possible to make good music without knowing any of that. Well, do you know, uh, no. Beethoven didn't know that. Mozart did it. Yeah. But he did, but he knew Pythagorean theorem, boy. <laughs> and he knew music theory. And it's like people are making music these days that has nothing to do with that. It's just it's um, it's just being popular. You know, it's a different the black eyed teas. You know, I don't know any of the black. Eyed, it's only the girl that I pay any attention to. I don't know the other. <laughs> there's three of them. I know that. You know, but I could care less who they are. And I don't even know if I know any of their material or not. You know, I just like looking. I just want to impregnate that girl, whatever her name is. <laughs> well, I'll try to arrange it if I can. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There. But I mean, there you can. It's like, what is uh, what's me, music to most people? It isn't what it is to me. Music is like a to most people, it's just entertainment. Yeah, but that sounds like a surprise to you. I mean, isn't your experience of the world prepared you for the fact that what you think is not what most people are going to think about every single subject? Yeah, it sure has. Yeah. <laughs> I. You know, it's like the people I, I, you know, I'm like a fan, but, you know, Leo Lazard, <laughs> Enrico Fermi, <laughs> Albert Einstein. All right, Emmett Rhodes, uh, this has been a fantastic interview, and uh, All right. thanks, Emmett. All righty, but All right, there's Dog on a Chain from Emmett Rhodes, and it's from Rainbow Ends, just as I was saying, which has just come out on Omnivore Recording, and uh, he comes back to this program. Welcome back to this program, Emmett Rhodes. How are you? Okay, now, yeah, I'm, uh, well, I, I, I think I just mentioned that. I'm, I'm suffering the flu. I guess it's the flu. I don't know. I was sitting at Denny's, and I had this child next to me that was just coughing, and the next thing I know, I'm, like, snotting, blowing my nose, and... Uh, having difficulty breathing. 
Now that's uh, the truth. Now, I don't know if you want to put that on the radio or not. <laughs> I, I, I strive to put the truth on the radio. I mean, your first LP in 43 years has just come out. It is in, does in no way that buffet your spirits? Oh, uh, well, all of the, yes, all of that stuff is wonderful, isn't it? Or at least I think it is. Uh, one, uh, you know, I, I, I like the songs, and I'm hoping other people do, too. So that's important to you. That's good to know. So it's been 43 years, and you were on this program in 2010, and we sort of discussed your whole history. Uh, uh, you know, you started so, so young uh, in, in you know, playing in bands on, in Hollywood, uh, you know, night after night, and then getting signed and making uh, records and stopping making records when you're you're 23, and then it's been a long time. This song, Dog on a Chain, with uh, Amy Mann singing on it, uh, the lyrics... She... Um was so tender and so sweet. I I, I thought she, uh, well, whatever. She, like, really did a wonderful job, and it was so nice of her to come down and do this. Yeah, she's a great singer, and I think she has a particularly good ear well, for, not for only melody. That, a wonderful person. Yeah, that's good. She's got a good ear for harmony, I think, and for melody, and I think she's a good, perfect match. She has you. a wonderful voice that it was just, uh, I... Uh, I uh, I'm, I'm not sure I, I know the right word, but it was it was fragile. It was it was something that uh, uh, in this particular song uh, she did extremely well. Yeah. So I take it this, the lyrics to that song are pretty much autobiographical. It seems like you're not a, a punches holding guy. Uh, okay. Well, I I really don't feel as if I was holding back any punches, if that's what you mean. Uh, yes. I. Uh, I, I, um, um, you, you know, when you have a great deal of heartache <laughs> and you felt like you've been treated badly, do the best you can and love those you can. Well, I'm being, you know, philosophic here. Does writing a song like that, is it a cathartic act? Well, it was truth. Uh, it was, um, yes, it, by all, yes, by, yes, I felt better afterwards. It states exactly uh, uh, what I feel. And, uh, um, boy, uh, I, I'm not sure that I'm in great spirits today to do this because I'm not feeling well. But nonetheless, uh, it, uh, you know, I speak from the heart because I don't really have anything else to speak from. Not so smart, uh, not real intelligent. I'm not real re well read or or world traveled. I just know um, I I know what it's like to be in space traveling on a planet through the universe. Well, I think everyone can relate to that. I think we all do that all day long. Well, yeah, and we're probably millions of miles away from where we were when we started this conversation. <laughs> uh, I think you're 65 years old. You've had a, an interesting... 66. 66. That you're was 66. my birthday yesterday. Oh, well, happy birthday. Uh, Thank wow. you. What, ti what timing. Uh, so you've had, you know, you were diabetic last week we spoke. Uh, you know, you've had a real up and down life, career. How are you physically, mentally these days? Well, sometimes I'm smart, sometimes I'm stupid. It depends on how much blood sugar I have in my brain. I pass out on occasion. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to tell you, but being a diabetic is no fun. Yeah. Uh, 
you've got a, a, a whole group of younger generation people on this yeah, record. All wonderful guys that are just—they're wonderful people and they're wonderful players. Just a core—the core band on the record is really good, really sympathetic to the songs, and then there's some uh, guests who sort of come in uh, a little bit here and there who all add a few things. But you know, John Bryan and Jason Faulkner and Roger Manning and Susanna Hoffs and Nels Klein and uh, Amy Mann—we talked about and guys from the Brian Wilson band. Is it weird to ha- to be uh, an influence? to have folks come to you and say you know I'm an influ- you know you influenced me to how how does that feel I I'm proud I I I'm uh, I don't know what else to say uh, what a wonderful thing for them to say to me and I it isn't as if I didn't do my best you know I mean I tried to do the best I knew how yeah, well, I think you know, regardless of your story, I it's the music is in some way speaks very much for itself. We can listen to your whole uh, output, and and it speaks for itself. And and I think people are obviously still reacting. You know, you're still uh, the first time someone hears you know Mary Go Round record or one of your solo records is a is a great moment for a lot of people. So there's eleven songs on this record. Uh, you wrote all of them. I think three are co-writes. The rest you wrote by yourself. Tell me uh, just. You know, quickly about the process. Do songs come easy? Do they come hard? Do they come all at once? You know, is it chipping away? How do you do it? Uh, I, I, boy, I'm. Um, I, I work on them. It's work to me. I I, uh, I, I write uh, ten times more lyric than I need. I pick the best of the lyric that I have. I rewrite the chord progression until it sings to me, and then I put a melody to it. So the lyrics come first without any uh, music. Well, they kind of the, the you know uh, when when you change the chord progression, sometimes you have to change a few notes. So that's what I'm considering. But nonetheless, no, I kind of uh, I kind of get a melody uh, when I when I'm with the lyric at the same time, and then once I get a lyric that I like, and then I use that lyric to to replicate. Because I, I I write verses that uh, have the same amount of notes in them, kind of like uh, Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so, do, is it fair to judge you by your lyrics? Because the lyrics are printed on the inside of the record, which is which is made very interesting reading. I mean, you're kind of beating yourself up a little bit on this record, but you're also sort of exercising demons. I uh, I'm a person who loves people and hates them at the same time. I don't know what else to tell you. It's, it's a dichotomy of feeling here. But, at the, but uh, when it comes to my songs, I, I'm trying to be as truthful as possible. I use phrases that have been told to me. I, I, um, I write the, uh, my feelings, and I try to express uh, them as best I know how. You're scheduled to play down south by Southwest, uh, which is down in Texas. Do you do you like to play live now? I mean, I it's, you know I, I sense a little anxiety from you. Is it something fun for you to to go to travel to play live in front of an audience? Will you tour for this record? Uh, uh, um, I'll do the best I I can, and uh, and I'm hoping you know I, I can't sing. I I didn't sing last night because. Um, I, I was doing a lot of yelling. I was just having way too much fun. 
and uh, not, uh, not not being careful with my voice. And uh, I I sound now like uh, like alfalfa in uh, <laughs> in uh, well, if you remember the Argan Guns. Anyway, uh, and uh, going through puberty, it's even worse than that. Sometimes I can't I can't control the the pitch. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm hoping I get better. Yeah, but I'm going to do the best I know how, and I'm going to be and always. I don't know how to do anything else. Are you going to try to to go on an actual tour of any description for you know recent? Hoping I get healthy, and I'm hoping that I can sing one of these days because it really scares me when I sing the. I mean, I can't sing these songs, and it isn't as if these songs are in high. I mean, it isn't as if these songs are like what I wrote in the merry-go-round when they were all real high. Right, when you were 19 years old. Well, now you're 66. That's right. Yeah. And now I'm old, and I'm going, oh, my God, uh, you know. Well, that's why God invented capos. I'm sorry. I said that's why God God invented capos, so that you could, you know. Oh, 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 so you can change the key. <laughs> just... yeah, well, I'm telling you, I can sing happy birthday, but it's all, it's at my voice. You know, it's, a, it's a, I can't, uh, I'm not going to dwell on this, because I really don't want to scare myself. But uh, but I'm hoping I get my voice back, and I'm uh, doing the best I know how. I'm not talking to people much, <laughs> and I'm not uh, and I'm not singing because it hurts. I hurt myself when I do. So I, as soon as I make some money, I'm going to the doctor. So the the singing on the record is is lovely, and I talked to Chris Price uh, yesterday, who produced this record and helped me put it together, and. Chris uh, and you did a great job sort of managing to make a contemporary-sounding record that's reverent to your history and serve the songs well. And I know that others have tried. There's been some false starts. Uh, why now? Why did it work this time? Well, one. let me start with thank you very much for your comments. Chris is a wonderful man, and he's done a wonderful job producing me. Uh, he, uh, he basically, uh, we used his laptop. Now, this is totally foreign to me. I mean, I'm old enough to go back to wire recording. So, you know, you know when I made records, it was all on tape. And it was like, uh, at the end of it, if your tape didn't have a bunch of splices in it and a bunch of chalk marks on it, you didn't do a good job. <laughs> this is all done electronically or in the computer and it's uh it's a wonderful medium i i'm looking forward to getting my own laptop one of these days uh, so why now why did this pro project come off now well uh, because uh, basically chris asked me to play some songs for him and he i played them and he liked them and he thought that, that he could make a record. You know, he uh, he's made a number of records, and they're all really good. You know, uh, so I, I was really confident that he that he could be be uh, uh, and, and pull this off and do a good job. Uh, I uh, and I was right. So there. <laughs> I uh, I I read that the record was made. At least the basic tracks were cut rather quickly. Tell me just a, a little bit. Two sessions and two sessions. Uh, it we we didn't get together uh, you know every month <laughs> and you know or every day we we did these sessions and uh, and it was basically two uh, sessions to do uh, all the tracks. That's uh, amazing for dubbing and it was the mixing and and it was the uh, the Q and A stuff uh, about uh, 
do you like this? Do you not like this? You know, that kind of, uh, we, we edited it. We uh, cut it and pasted. We redid choruses. We did stuff that people that work with wire recorders would have never been able to do. Or even me, when I was working with tape, would have never been able to do. It's a wonderful medium. I, I love Pro Tools. I, I'm going to testify to it. I hope they give me a copy. <laughs> Uh, maybe they maybe they're listening. The Pro Tools. Oh, I'm I'm hoping they are. <laughs> I want it in the mail with a laptop. With a laptop. Some of your solo records uh, recorded in your garage with a tape recorder and just you doing all the instruments. It is a, a long journey from there to uh, to Pro Tools and moving things around. You know, virtually. Uh, did, did you just fall? Ba- did you surprise yourself with what you had to contribute to the recording, or is it just like getting a bicycle and going? Uh, I'm not certain I understand that question, but uh, surprise myself, no. I'm a very knowledgeable person. I understand mixing, and I understand... I read my physics book. I understand uh, the mechanics of recording. I don't... uh, I just kind of like... uh, uh, I just checked out at the time that cell phones came in and laptops and uh, computers. And and, uh, it wasn't that I wanted to. It was just that I lost interest. Now I'm interested again. So there. So what is your life like these days? What uh, what is a typical day? Well, I wake up in the morning and I feed the squirrels by putting some peanuts on my fence post, and uh, then I feed the birds by breaking up some crackers and throwing them some sunflower seeds, and I watch the sun come up. And uh, I, I'm a I have a wonderful life. Uh, you talk a lot about expressing love for for people and trying to find you know paths to love. How do you? I mean, how does one go about that? Well, I, I think that the most important thing that I've ever done was discover my own feelings. Was to know who I am. Was to know that I have a good heart. That in push comes to shove, I'll do the right thing. Not that I won't think about doing the wrong thing, but. Push comes to shove, I'll do the right thing, and I'm proud of myself. It's like virtue is, you know, is its own whatever the reward. Uh, is that a tough process to 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 discover self discovery? Uh, uh, when I came out of the womb, I thought the world revolved around me. How about that? <laughs> is it a tough process? Uh, yeah, it's life. You live it. Hopefully, you learn from it. Uh, do you care about the, uh, the the presidential election? Do you care about stuff like that? Do you read the newspaper? Right, I do. I'm watching it all the time. Boy, are they, they're calling each other names now. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like uh, the Little Rascals, actually, in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it all together. Uh, last time we talked, you were, you were uh, not seeing your family, your kids. Are you on better terms uh, with them now? Uh, 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 not really. I I, uh, I I wish I were, but but uh, divorce is a horrid thing, and mothers have a great deal of influence. And I'm not certain I would have seen, if my mother had divorced my father. I'm not certain I would. Fathers are, boy, I I I wish there were a book that I could have read that would have told me how to behave. But it's life that does that. And it's the, the the incidents in life and the events that that make you understand. 
So it's taken me a long time to be a 66-year-old. In your some of the lyrics, you say to not trust love in your in one of the songs on this oh, record. You know, it depends on what you call love. There's a lot of different kinds of love. There are some people that love them. You know, they love the other person so much they will they'll kill them before they you know, allow them to be with someone else. That to me isn't love. When you love someone, you want them to be happy. You want them to do well, and you want their life to be good. Well, yeah, love means a lot of things to different people because it's what you, it's what you think of what love is. Uh, when I, my firstborn uh, came out of the womb, my life changed. All of a sudden, I knew what love was. It's like I, I had a whole other impression. Uh, I loved my wife, but it was sexual because she was, I thought, extremely beautiful and exciting and, and all. But I loved my child in a whole other manner. There's many loves. Love, I guess, you know, the, uh, love comes in 50 shades. I absolutely agree with you. When my daughter was born, it just changed. Yeah, the definition of love, boy, exploded, yeah. My heart was full. I hope yours was too. Yeah, it still is. Yeah, it's just it's, there. You go. It's the best My thing. Most, they don't have to love me. I love them. That's that sounds pretty healthy. Uh, tell me about music. Is uh, is listening to other people's music something that that's important to you? Like if you're going to the supermarket, are you driving? Are you listening to the radio? Are you bringing music with you? No, I don't like music at all. I don't listen to it much, unless I have to. That's interesting. Why is that? Do you think? Because I have to think all the time it's happening. It's like exercise to me. It's like I have to, I, 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 I can't help but be a critic. I can't help but evaluate what's being said. Is there a focus? You know, do the chords make sense? Is, uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 is this a good record, a bad record? I, I mean, everybody does that, I believe. Well, I'm no different. Now, some people, you get some sort of emotional reaction to it. Uh, me, uh, I'm just analytical. I can't help it. And if I have an emotional reaction to it, uh, it uh, that is like a remarkable thing for me. Well, does it, does it then, it, I'm sure it doesn't, it doesn't puzzle you that after, you know, 50 years, uh, you know, there's people who are super fascinated with recordings you made 50 years ago. I mean, does, it, does that make sense to you? Well, yeah. Uh, it makes sense to me because 50 years ago, when I was making the, you know, the records then, I, I did the best I knew how, and I was doing the best I could. And, that's, uh, and I'm hoping that that's what people hear. Yeah. Let me... and I, I haven't changed. I, 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 you know, I, as soon as my brain got big enough for me to recognize who I was, I, thought, I suppose it was about five, six years old. Nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I'm the same person. I, all I've done is learn since then. My, the changes that have occurred to me uh, or occurred in my life are all because of events that have occurred. And it's like I, I know better now because I've done everything wrong. That's how you learn. I've done right things, too. I mean, there are a few things I did correctly. Uh, let me remind everybody, Emmett Rhodes is our guest, and Rainbow Ends is the brand new record. It's on Omnivore Recordings. You can go to omnivorerecordings.com, and it's the first real full album from Emmett in 43 years, which is a while. Uh, okay, is, 
is is creative energy is is channeling that for the past forty three years? Is that a problem or is that an issue? I uh, when I stopped making records, I went to work for record companies. I was became an engineer producer. I, I then after that, uh, and I worked for record labels. And after that, I I, I opened I I added onto my garage and built a studio. And I rented my studio to others to make money. And I made more money doing that than any other way, uh, or I, that I ever have. Uh, and I'm hoping I make more money now because I'm like old, and I you know I need a doctor every once in a while. Uh, nonetheless, uh, it's. Uh, I, I've never left music. I've always worked with music, and I've never stopped stopped writing. Uh, I wrote I, when I was a little boy. Uh, uh, my my poor parents. I would like rock myself back and forth singing, making up songs until I went went to sleep. <laughs> you know, I, I I've made noise my whole life. <laughs> So are are there drawers full of Emmett Rhodes songs? There are cassette tapes. It goes back that far. <laughs> and there are, you know, reel-to-reels, too, uh, wow. of a whole bunch of things that I've never completed. Uh, I'm going to have to go through them and figure out what it is I want to complete and what it is uh, I want to put on uh, the, the best of uh, Emmett Rhodes. Uh, you know, kind of yeah. So I still haven't exactly put my finger on what, has changed? Has something changed within you that let you finish this product to let it go out to the human? Yeah, day? I I made a fundamental uh, 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 epiphany of uh, what it is that uh, chord progression should be, and then I I I, I, I used everything I know uh, to uh, to uh, figure out the scale. <laughs> And I figured out where the diminished chord goes. And once I heard the diminished chord, I realized it was something I've always loved. And I put it everywhere in every song I've written. And there's, you know, only eight notes in a scale, but then that's, you know, including the octave. And, uh, you know, I, I, I use them all. And then I put a few more in there just for fun. I want to end by playing the the song "If I Knew Then," which kind of it, it, it the song itself talks about a lot of the things that that we've talked about this morning. Uh, and it's a love song, <laughs> and it has diminished chords in it. <laughs> <laughs> Does literally every song on the record have diminished chords? Uh, oh boy, I'm sort of thinking about. It. I probably yeah. yeah it's uh, uh, I, I um, after I made the realization that I could take these chords and jump from one place to the next and still satisfy myself and produce something that I thought was musical. It's like I, my, I, I, I want a chord progression that sings, and then I want to put a melody to it that sings. And I want them both to be cohesive with one another and symbiotic. Yeah, with interesting lyrics on top, yeah. Well, the lyrics here again are right. Uh, I wish I were a happy man, but what I am is a man with a wonderful life that's happy about all that I've experienced, even though it's not so good. That's tough. What and what's stopping you from from living 
from experience, you know, from being happy going forward? Well, I'd like to rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's real. But I'm, you're intelligent. You know that's not probable. That's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> being an intelligent animal is a curse. <laughs> Being a rock star again and having to sort of promote a record. And I'm just... not that intelligent, okay? <laughs> so I, I appreciate what you've said, but I'm not real sure I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> well, that's the easy way out. I'm not going to let you off that easy. So uh, the future, is it promoting this record? It's maybe touring? It's maybe getting into these archives? Is it maybe making another record sooner than 43 years from now? Well, I don't think I have another 43 years. Yeah. So I think I better do that, you know, and uh, I'll do whatever seems to help. Uh, I want people to hear this because I'm a songwriter, and what a songwriter really wants is to, to affect, you know, that you write things for effect. And uh, I want people to hear it, and I want them to like it. And that's, you know, when I, uh, I'll tell you, when I wrote the song, and it affected me, or these songs, and it affected me, I felt complete. That was uh, that was success. Now the whole idea of making money would be really good because I'm old and I I got a hammer toe and uh, and I need to be able to see the doctor and uh, and I want to stay alive for so that I can make another record. Yeah. And that it's money. It's money. Uh, this is heaven, <laughs> and money is evil. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, congratulations on the record. Happy birthday! And uh, Thank you. I hope you can. Uh, I hope life keeps getting better. Certainly, that's that's what I wish for you. Okay. Uh, I uh, I wasn't trying to give you the impression that uh, my life is bad. I love feeding the squirrels and I love feeding the birds, and uh, I, I I like it when the sun shines and uh, I. I have a wonderful life. I don't have a bad life. Uh, I don't have money, but I'm not unhappy about money. I never what I never did anything for money. Other, I've never had a job. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I've always done music. It was always something I wanted to do. So I'm a very fortunate person, and I'm, and I'm very happy. I am. You like what you do. Yeah, I mean, I have no money either. I'm not. I don't get paid for this, you know. So. Well, there you go. You do it because you want to do it. Yeah. You are a successful man. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear if I knew then, uh, Emmett. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's certainly more than interesting, and uh, I wish you the best of luck with this new record called Rainbow Ends. Uh, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much for talking to me. Back to me. 
stand 